You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packer Night Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Happy Monday morning. Three o'clock wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Going to just be uh, going to be honest about it. Feeling good to be back in the old rhythm. So we're going to continue for now with the little grab baggy uh, style of talking about stuff. And um, also because we're doing shorter episodes, we're going to stick with the format of not going through all the preliminary. I would encourage you to please check out the comment section. There's a lot of goodies in there for you. But otherwise, we're just going to jump right into our um, quick commercial break, and we'll get right back to it. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. I wanted to start off today with a uh, question from Ben in the Facebook group. He says, I've been hearing a lot of hype, of, or he doesn't say hype, but I've been hearing a lot about Dexter Williams. Is it just off-season hype, or is this guy potentially our number two heading into the season? How does a running back depth look? And what really is the ideal prototype for an outside zone? Um, I guess it says O, but we'll call it running back. And how well does Jones fit that mold? So a few different questions. Uh, the first portion, sort of a two-parter in and of itself. Is the talk about Dexter Williams hype number one, and is he potentially our number two? I know a lot of people really like Dexter Williams, considering I am not a professional scout, and even if I was, professional scouts have, what, like a 40% hit rate? So I'm less than that. I'm I'm more than happy to let people have their opinions. I would say I'm not quite as high on Dexter Williams as, you know, at least the people that are super high on him. I think he's fine. I see him basically as Jamal Williams. 
I think he'll be able to operate fine as a every down, um, get you your three to four yards with an occasional big breaker. You know, he did that in college. Um, it's hard to specifically say whether or not it is hype because I'm not sure what exactly it is. Definitely some people are way more hyped than they should be, but I don't want to say that, you know, everything you're hearing is false because some of you are just hearing what I'm saying, which is that he's fine. And if I downplay fine, it just starts to sound like I think he's bad, and that's not true. The second part, is he potentially number two? Well, yeah. I mean, if if Dexter is not a very good running back, he's going to be probably by default the number three, if even that. If he's mediocre, he's kind of like the lock number three. If he's good, there's going to be some competition. And if he's, you know, I I, I guess what I'm leaning toward is it's not going to be all that hard to beat out for the number two spot. Taking the number one spot isn't going to happen unless there's an injury, or if Jones really struggles with the new scheme, which is also part of this question. But yeah, I I wouldn't, I don't think it's going to happen. But I I, I don't, I don't have uh, Jamal on such a high pedestal that Dexter getting the number two spot would be like this crazy thing. It would just mean that we got a good running back, and hopefully we hopefully we did. Uh, the next question, how does the running back depth look? I like the running back depth. I mean, we, we start at the top with a really good high potential running back, a guy that in 2017 had a 5.5 yard per carry average. And at that time, if you have been listening to the podcast for a long time, I said, look, pump the brakes. He only had 81 attempts, 448 yards. It's a lot, but that's not a number that's sustainable. Well, in 2018, he had 133 attempts, 728 yards, still 5.5 average. Two years in a row, obviously for a career average of 5.5. He now has a grand total of 214 attempts for 1,176 yards, 5.5 average, 12 touchdowns. I suppose we could kind of combine that and call that one year, but super high ceiling. And then beyond that, we know with Jamal, we have a guy not nearly as high of an upside as Aaron Jones, but if something happens to Aaron Jones, we have a capable running back. It's not by any stretch a dire situation, and now we've added a third. What is this third going to be? I don't know, but we have a number three. So yeah, I'm happy about it. Um, The next question, what is the ideal prototype for outside zone? I really haven't been able to find, and I know there is a difference, and it kind of worries me a little bit, But when you listen to the broad strokes description of what the Packers are looking for, it's no different than what they were looking for before. They're looking for a one-cut running back. Because outside zone and inside zone are both zone. It's everything flows to the outside. The running back anticipates an opening, makes his one cut, which is decisive and quick, and bursts through the hole. The hole, it's not the speed to the hole, it's the speed through the hole thing. Aaron Jones excels at that. Now, I'm sure that there are other people who could give a better uh, description of the nuances between the two and how different running backs can excel in one versus the other. I'm not going to go ahead and be that guy, at least not right now. I'm hoping to figure that out at some point. But it does make me a little bit nervous, if only because Aaron Jones excelled so well in the scheme that we had. One of the things I really like about Aaron Jones is his the fact that he just runs. Even when you looked at him in college, because when I initially wanted to um, kind of go back and revisit this question. I watched Dexter Williams' college film, and I went back and watched Aaron Jones's college film to see, you know, are they similar kind of running backs? The answer is no. Dexter Williams is much more patient. I think at uh, Notre Dame, he tended to run to the outside a little bit more than Aaron Jones did at UTEP, which is pretty much straight up the middle. 
And Aaron Jones excelled at that because he his processing speed in his mind is incredible. It looks like he's just running with his eyes closed. Like he just grabs a ball and runs, but he just he makes the right decision in a split second and he goes. And even when there was nothing there, he got yards. Dexter's a little bit more deliberate, a little bit slower, a little bit more to the outside. Now he still has that ability to when he sees it, he sticks his foot in the ground and goes. And he can burst through the hole and he can get some chunks. But it's not quite like Aaron Jones where, you know, I I I try to myself when I'm watching, see if I can find it before the running back can. I'm trying to look, you know, as though I'm playing a video game, like, ooh, ooh, go there. Aaron Jones is gone before I can even think what's happening. That's what makes him special. Now, my one concern is that the further you move outside, the slower that process is by default. He has to run further. Now, maybe we're talking about fractionally, but I I like the fact that he he can get through a hole before the defense even knows what's going on. And I, it just worries me a little bit giving those linebackers the ability to kind of key in and start flowing a little bit and to kind of slow this process down a little bit. However, with that said, one of the things that I really I almost disliked about Aaron Jones in his rookie year is the fact that a lot of his big plays came from, you know, we want you to run up the middle. He tried that. He said, nope, there's nothing here. And he broke it to the outside. And he just beat everybody around the outside. Now, that's not what outside zone is, running around everybody. You're still running in between stuff. It's just you're running outside of where the tackle is, in between your offensive linemen. In other words, where your tackle was standing, you're outside of that, but you're still kind of running between offensive linemen. Your offensive linemen are just further toward the sideline. But ultimately, I don't see any negative here. I I don't think it's that drastic of a difference that Aaron Jones is going to struggle. I think the Packers have been looking for zone-style running backs, and they've continued to add zone-style running backs. Now, the one advantage Dexter Williams has is that whatever those nuanced differences are, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams maybe don't have it. Now, they might. I mean, you know, it's just sort of that whole Venn diagram thing. If if you have a big enough size, I, I don't know. Analogies aren't working right now. It, it, it's possible that you're just multiple enough that you're equally adept as inside and outside they drafted you because you'd be great in inside but you'd also be great in outside you get what i'm saying but still dexter williams was drafted specifically with matt lafleur's outside zone running scheme in mind whatever he's looking for that's what they got here but the fact that he looks a lot like jamal and it's not exactly the same i would say he's kind of somewhere in between i don't think he's as big of a hitter as as jamal williams is not nearly as violent but maybe a little bit more of a, a home run threat but it, it's sort of comforting, and I, I think all the guys are going to be great. I, I, it, it does give me heartburn because any change to what was already pretty awesome scares me, but it's not really rooted in anything. Uh, the next thing I want to comment on also comes from the Facebook group. It's not really a question. It's more of a comment, but it's my group, so I'll plagiarize whatever you put in there. It's just how I roll. But here's a comment um, that was left by Kyle. He said, just a thought while listening to today's second podcast, before I... S- uh, start. I knew Jordy was never going to come back and play for Green Bay. The argument was he was taking reps from young wide receivers. Then why, for the love of God, is everyone all right with Tremont starting? Is he the best option? Yes, but Jordy would have been too. I like Tremont, but King and Jackson need to be in there. Go Pack Go. Um, I kind of have two thoughts. First of all, I, I didn't hear that argument that he was taking reps from the young wide receivers. What I had said, and this came from uh, Mark Murphy. Oh, we got some music going here. Oh, wheel in the sky. I don't know if you heard that, but I, I got to keep going here. The The bottom line is they paid, and it could be multiple things, but they paid Devontae big money. Randall Cobb was making a lot of money. 
And then they paid Jimmy Graham a ton of money, and they said, we just can't pay this much money. Somebody's got to go. Now, they could have cut Randall Cobb just the same, I suppose, but Jordy came up for a contract, and they basically just said, no, man, we can't. Now, with that said, it's still a relatively good question, or at least a good thought, because Tremont is not the long-term answer, and what I know for a fact is that the Packers do not want Tremont starting. Now, they might want it now, and it might end up happening anyways, but that's not ideal. It's not ideal for us. It's not ideal for the team. It's not ideal for the coaches. Nobody really wants that. I really like Tremont. I'm happy he's on the team. I hope he can be a great contributor. But if he's there, it's not because the Packers are pushing him there over the young guys. They want the young guys playing because they are the future. But they want them to win the job. So I think Tremont is starting right now because I think he is the best corner outside of Jair Alexander that we have. I don't know that, obviously, because it depends on how big of a jump the younger guys are making. But based on what I saw last year, that's kind of the situation we were in. And it's sort of what I expected. I was just glad to see Jair take that big of a leap. But I think Tremont, being the veteran guy, being the guy who was better at the position last year, it makes sense that we're just going to start with what was best last year and work from that. But I think any glimpse, I think, you know, the tie goes to the young guy. If Kevin King is playing at the same level as Tremont, we're putting Kevin King in. If Same with Josh Jackson. If, if, if Josh Jackson and Kevin King are on equal footing with Tremont, I think Tremont sits. Because we need to get the young guys as many reps as is humanly possible. I think Tremont is here because the young guys just aren't producing. I mean, they're young, so it's, it's, I don't think it's panic mode. I'm, I, that's just my general thought. They want the, the young guys to have the job, but they have to earn it. And I think Tremont understands that. He has to know that the preference for the Packers is for Kevin King Josh Jackson and Jair Alexander to be the starting three corners for the Green Bay Packers. He absolutely knows that, but he also knows that he's better than them. And as long as he's better than them, he knows he's going to have a job. And even if the Packers push him out prematurely because, well, we got to move on, he's got a good chance of landing a job somewhere else, even as old as he is, if he continues to be, you know, the best or second best corner on this team. So, um, Another Kyle question, this one actually is a question, but the the question is, I have a lot of faith in Pettin, but in the hope of an additional podcast, haha, I said haha, not him, if Pettin's defense isn't top 15, let's say, do the Packers try to move on after this season? Not necessarily. I think everything kind of needs to be kept into in context. So the reason he wasn't fired after last season is because it was his first year and he didn't have a lot of tools. I think the same thing is going to be said this year, at least it needs to be. There is a concern that if it doesn't work, we're, you know, rather than saying, well, does he have have the players he needs? You know, it, teams make bad decisions all the time, firing coaches that don't deserve to be fired. So it's possible that they'll just blame him no matter what. But I don't think so. I think they, they like Pettin. They know he's a good defensive coordinator. If anything, they would keep him too long would be my assumption. That seems to be the Packer way, even though that's changing a little bit. But I think, you know, it, it has to be a situation similar to Dom and similar to um, Mike McCarthy where it's like, you know, we, we're doing everything we can. We're going to strip all the excuses away. And if you can't produce, we, we need to know that it's you that's the problem. It's, it's troubleshooting, right? Just keep eliminating variables until you narrow it down to one thing. And that one thing is, is Mike Pettin. So it's definitely going to be a big question mark because of all the additions, but we still have to take everything in contact. If Rashawn Gary's a bust, and, you know, the the one year for Zadarius was a fluke year, and the one year for Preston Smith was a fluke year, 
and essentially we don't have any pass rush, and Mike Daniels completely falls off, and Amos was only good because he was in the Bears scheme, and, and you know, whatever, it's going to be hard to look at Mike Pettin. Essentially, at that point, we're kind of looking more at Brian Gutekunst, at least we should be, and saying, what are you doing? Your strategy of getting guys that had one good year was a bad decision. Your, your strategy of getting Rashawn Gary was a bad decision. Trading up for Darnell Savage was it whatever, right? Now, it's not always going to be that easy. Sometimes you can look at it, you know, and, and that's the thing. If the defense isn't working, there's going to be a fight amongst Packer fans. Some are going to say it's, you know, the, the players are no good. Some are going to say the players are good. We just don't have a, a coach that can get the best out of them. You know, we've seen Amos play well. We've seen these guys play well. Why can't Petten get the same kind of production out of them? So sometimes it's really just hard to tell what the problem is. But the Packers are going to have to know for sure that Mike Petten is the problem. And I, as hard as I think that is, you know, you, you're you going to be able to hear it from the players when they do interviews and all those kinds of things with the pro- like with Dom. I mean, it was so bad to the point where you had players actually saying that teams knew what we were doing because the scheme was so old. That's a situation where, look, this guy should have been fired a long time ago. If the players know that, the coaches and everybody else should have known that, the GM should have known that, somebody needed to make a move and nobody did. But I think the, the respect for Mike Patton, the work he puts in, the scheme that he employs, the strategy that he has, it's very similar to a lot of other um, modern defenses, so that shouldn't necessarily be a problem. It comes down to execution and play calling. If he's calling the wrong play at the wrong time, or are the players just not doing what they need to do to make this work? Then he goes on to say, you could also say the same about the offense and Hackett. And this kind of makes me nervous because as much hype as there is now and excitement as there is now, what happens if the offense is no good? I mean, it's a similar question because the offense wasn't good before they got there. So it's kind of a question of, you know, can we really blame the head coach when the same offense that was bad in 2018 is bad in 2019? However, it also seems to be a trend within the NFL, as much as I like to think the Packers are different, the Packers are also modernizing, and they're trying to do what a lot of other teams are doing, and what a lot of other teams are doing is they're saying, let's give this a shot, and if it doesn't work, guys are out in their first year. And I I don't look forward to that, because that's sort of, and it scares me to think how close we are to this, but that's sort of the mold of a team that's just bad, right? We, We completely tore everything down. We bring in a whole new staff, we bring a bunch of new players, the team is still bad, and then we just start firing a bunch of first-year people. Maybe we don't fire Lafleur necessarily, although that has happened, but we fire Hackett and we fire some other you know, underlings, and then you got to wonder, well, should we have fired Lafleur? Maybe he was the problem, but we'll just have a bunch of fall guys because we don't want to give up on our coach in his first year. I mean, the bottom line is there's a lot of talent. And we just need to hope that things go well, because if they go wrong, they're going to go really, really wrong. But in a, in a weird kind of way, it almost feels like Pettin is more safe than Lafleur. I feel like the Packers really respect Pettin. He's a, a guy that's done it. He's been a head coach. He's been a very successful defensive coordinator. I think the guys tend to respect him. Lafleur even is an unknown commodity. We don't know what he is as a head coach. We don't really even know what he is as an offensive coordinator. He was an offensive coordinator for the Rams, but he wasn't the play caller. He was the play caller for the Titans, and the Titans were trash. There's excuses, but the excuses maybe take away some of the negative. It doesn't add anything positive. It doesn't mean he's good. It just means we don't know that he's bad. So I think there's more of a likelihood, especially for Hackett, possibly even LaFleur, that they're gone before Pettin's gone, as weird as that sounds. Obviously, that's not the case if the offense is great and the defense is terrible. At that point, then, yeah, all eyes are on Pettin, and it becomes, what's the problem? Because what, what do you do at that point? I mean, you, you rebuilt 
the defense. We're not getting new pass rushers. We, you know, we have a rookie and two guys with pretty big contract. We're not getting new safeties. We just drafted Darnell Savage. We just paid Adrian Amos. We can't rebuild the defense. This is the defense. This is it. Now, we can make tweaks, something that we've basically have been doing since forever, right? That's typically how this thing goes, is you maybe add a free agent, you draft a couple of players, but the core of the defense was built this year, and this is what it is. Kenny Clark, Preston, Zadarius, uh, Rashawn, Savage, Jair, Jackson, King, Amos. You, you can change a couple things, corners, this, that, and the other, but for the most part, that's your core. That's, that's one of the biggest positives of this team is how young and how talented the defense is, but it also could be one of the negatives because if it doesn't work, they're all very young, <laughs> and the ability to just get rid of them all and bring in new people is very low. It is what it is. We've got to make it work now. So again, that in and of itself becomes a problem, and that, and that possibly could even put more, again, when we talk about bad decisions, you know, the, the Packers being a good organization, part of the reason that they're set apart is the fact that they don't listen to the noise. Some of the teams that aren't as good, and hopefully the Packers never become this, are the teams that start giving in to the fans. Well, if the defense is no good and everybody starts screaming and Gutekunst and Murphy look at this and, and LaFleur maybe or whatever, look at this and say something has to be done, but we can't revamp the defense. How do we make a change just for the sake of making a change? It's Mike Pettin. Right, that or you do the fall guy thing where he fires a bunch of his staff because he's under pressure. Either you fire them or we fire you. It doesn't actually fix anything. We're just trying to appease the fans. Again, hopefully that doesn't happen. You know, stick to your guns if you need to stick to your guns. But that would be something that bad football teams would do. You know, that's something the Jets would do. No offense, but you guys know it's true. But anyways, I'm gonna leave it at that and uh, be sure to make sure that be sure to make sure and make sure that you be sure. That you're all caught up on the Packernet podcast. They're coming out pretty fast and furious, so just uh, take a little gander and make sure that you're all caught up. Otherwise, folks, enjoy your Monday. I'll talk to you tomorrow, unless you're not caught up, and I'll talk to you shortly. Have a good one. Bye-bye.